How I Became a Spy, Chapter 30. My heart pounded as we entered bustling Trafalgar, Trafalgar Square. This could be it. As I scanned my surroundings, I almost felt like a real spy. The National Gallery, with its large dome barely visible in the gray mist, seemed empty and deserted. I remembered going there with Dad, Mom, and Will when I was little. But when the war began, its precious paintings had been spirited away to safety. They still have concerts here sometimes at lunch, David said, gazing up at its tall columns. My foster grandfather took me once. We had to wait in a really long queue. Eleanor nodded. And Nan and I often come to see the picture of the month. What's that? I asked. After the blitz died down, they started bringing one painting a month out of hiding so people can visit it. They put it up during the day and then store it overnight in some safe space. That sounds fun, I said. A whole museum for one painting. I found myself wanting to tell Will about it. Maybe we could come again as a whole family. Today, though, we weren't here for paintings or music. The gray, soupy fog was so thick, I couldn't make out Nelson standing on top of this tall column. I could barely see the four bronze lions that guarded the statue's granite base. David chose one in the front as his hiding spot. I'll make myself invisible, but keep my eyes peeled, he promised. Before Eleanor ascended the steps, we had a whispered discussion. I think you should sit on the front side too, facing the big fountain, I suggested. Don't forget to listen for Big Ben. The face of London's famous clock tower near Westminster wasn't lit because of the war, but the bells still chimed. LR and I will hide near a lion on the National Gallery side. All right, don't worry, I'll be fine, Bertie. Eleanor reached into her knapsack and drew out a donut for little Rue, feed it to her slowly to keep her occupied. I watched Eleanor stride confidently to the top step, just below one of the four bronze relief panels that decorated the column's base. She settled herself and tucked her hair under her hat, holding the closed book so it was visible. LR and I moved into position. I pulled the feisty spaniel onto my lap and began to slip her bits of donut. I didn't want to take the chance of LR being recognized, especially if Leo Marx turned out to be the traitor. Sunset was more than an hour away. In the summer, people often lounged on the steps to eat lunch, but Eleanor was almost alone in this cold winter day. The waiting seemed endless, endless. As one face after another emerged from the mist, I found myself wondering who among the crowd could be a spy, and not just any spy, a corrupt one. When the sound of chimes broke through the fog, I jumped. First, I heard the four-note melody, and then Big Bunk Ben struck the hour. Bong, 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 bong. Bong. I waited. Nothing. No one came near, near Eleanor. At once, I felt LR stiffen in my arms. She whined and might have barked, but I put my hand over her muzzle. Shh, quiet, girl. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw what had captured LR's attention. A nondescript, middle-aged man walking his dog. A handsome black dog with a thick, plumed tail. I held my breath and ducked my head, pretending to be fishing something out of my knapsack, but I kept watching him from under my cap. The man didn't turn my way. I saw him shoot a glance toward Eleanor. He hesitated just for a second and then kept walking. He didn't approach her, 
But he'd seen her. I knew it. He must have realized instantly that Eleanor wasn't Violet. Or maybe he'd been expecting someone else entirely. The man was sharp. Sharp enough not to fall for the trap. But not sharp enough for us. Because L.R. and I recognized the pair. We'd seen them in front of the SOE office. I even remembered the dog's name. Hero. The trader's dog had given him away. Traveler might not realize it, but his dog was well-named. He was a hero. The man melted into the crowd and slipped out of view. I went around and tapped David on the shoulder, and we climbed to sit beside Eleanor. No one came near me, Eleanor said. She swallowed hard and her eyes filled with tears. I looked and looked for Violet, but I didn't see her anywhere. We don't know where she is, and on top of that, the trap failed. Bertie, does this mean we're giving up? David asked quietly. Not a chance. I let L.R. down and gave her the last bit, chunk of donut. Once again, little Rue has saved the day. She spotted Traveler. What? How? David cried. I told them what I'd seen. I recognized the dog immediately. I'm not sure you noticed it when you were trailing me, Eleanor, but when L.R. and I tracked Leo to the Inner Service Research Bureau on Baker Street on Saturday, we saw a beautiful black dog with a woman. Eleanor shook her head. I don't remember. I might have been across the street then, but how do you know Traveler has anything to do with the dog? Well, the dog knew the way to the office, and the same man I saw today come out of the office and greeted his wife, who was walking the dog. I grinned. I even know the dog's name, Hero. So while we may not know Traveler's name, Leo Marks will. I concluded with satisfaction. Maybe it's time to go see him again. Oh, this is wonderful. Eleanor reached into her pocket, took out a handkerchief, and blew her nose. I'd expected her to be more excited. Are you feeling all right? I'm still upset about Violet, I guess. And I started having chills sitting here, she admitted. I hope I'm not getting sick. Automatically, I reached out to touch her forehead with the back of my hand, just as Deputy Warden Esther had checked my temperature last night. And in that instant, another memory came back to me. That tiny thing that had nagged at me since the night L.R. and I found Violet in the alley. Hello, are you with us, Bertie? David waved his hand back and forth in front of my eyes. You've got that far away expression on your face. I just thought of something, I cried. Something even more important than going to see Leo. We'll walk you home, Eleanor but let's make a detour on the way. We'll be there in 20 minutes. Where's there? David wanted to know. You'll see, just follow me. It was all I could do to keep from running, but it was too foggy for that. This is the way to the command post, said Eleanor after a while. Is that where we're headed? I shook my head. Not quite, just keep walking. I didn't stop until we reached the intersection of Maddox and Mill Streets. We're here. Wait a minute, Eleanor breathed. Isn't this where you found Violet? I pointed to the food waste for pigs bin. Yes, behind there. I feel like Sherlock is about to reveal the solution to a case, David teased. I grinned and took a breath. When I was at the command post last night, Deputy Warden Esther felt my forehead to see if I was ill. But it wasn't until today when I checked to see if Eleanor had a fever that everything came rushing back to me. I don't think you're too warm, Eleanor, by the way. My words tumbled out. You see, I remembered something I should have noticed at the time, 
When I touched Violet, her skin was warm. More than that, it was hot. Maybe it was because my hands were cold that night. I didn't think much about it. But then, Deputy Warden Esther mentioned that there's a bad flu going around. I'm not sure I'm following, David said. Hear me out. I pointed across the street. That building is St. George's Rectory, a back annex to the big church, which has its main entrance on the next block. Well, Deputy Warden Esther just happened to mention that Mrs. Clark, the housekeeper at the rectory, said she's been caring for someone with a bad case of influenza. Someone with a bad case of influenza, Eleanor repeated. Her eyes widened. And you think that someone might be Violet? Maybe. And remember, Deputy Warden Esther has only been serving at our command post for a few days. The senior wardens are both so busy they probably never mentioned to her what happened on Friday night here on Mill Street, I mused. She wouldn't have known to connect the report of a sick patient with a missing woman, but I think... Eleanor didn't wait for me to finish. She rushed over, ran up a few steps, and grabbed the brass knocker and let it fall on the red wooden door. Knock, knock. Almost immediately, the door swung open. A tiny woman with round pink cheeks and snowy white hair greeted us with a smile. Good evening. Hello, are you Mrs. Clark? I asked. Why, yes, I'm Kathleen Clark. Can I help you? The secret word for this chapter is going to be waffle. Waffle. We hope so, said Eleanor. We're... We're looking for a friend, a friend who's fallen ill. Mrs. Clark stepped aside and opened the door wider. Well then, you'd better come in.